Brown Genius is a podcast in full color spectrum dedicated to providing a platform for underrepresented voices. This Chicano Picasso production is brought to you with generous support from the Arts Affinity Group. Thank you for listening. One, two, one. Many sick, many sick. One go for many drink, many drink. Diversify scope, money straight, money straight. Proper simple, human being, human being. So fresh, so clean. My mind, limousine, my quasar, so my crown, I king, my beam, so mean. My gangster lane, I bomb your scene. My people get free, root the tradition. Set the condition. Break the system. Forward transmission. Part two of our interview with Udimia Cruz Montoya was originally recorded on election night 2016. After breaking to check in on election results, we went back into the studio, fully aware that the unthinkable was about to happen. We encountered technological difficulties and had to restart several times. We settled into a passionate conversation about the future and what was true, regardless of the outcome of the election. After we concluded and Utimia left the studio, I discovered that the recording session had flatlined. Despite the appearance that we were successfully up and running, we invite our friend Utimia Cruz Montoya back into the studio today, December 4th, 2016, to conclude our interview. Welcome back, Ms. Utimia. Thank you so much for having me again. Nice to be back here with you two beautifuls. What happened to our recording on election night? Creator wasn't trying to let me be that mean on recording. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean that mean? Oh, man, I was mad. Mm. I was mad at everyone, Mm. especially America. America. You felt very red that day. I was very red that day. Mm Yeah. Bye. Yeah. 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 So, you know, the gods are kind, as a love of mine says. So here we are. I get to like redeem my uh, fiery out flare. <laughs> I'm going to try to provoke it. <laughs> I'm going to try to make you red again. <laughs> right now, I think I'm like golden hued turquoise with mm. flowers. Ooh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's fancy. But we concluded part one of your interview with uh, songs from the Mexica tradition. Uh, can you tell us how? Poetry, song, and dance relate to your medicine? Well, my mother, Deborah Montoya, was um, part of the pioneering people um, during the civil rights movement, particularly particularly the Chicano civil rights movement, to reclaim indigeneity and the Red Road. Um, And she helped others to establish a danza azteca here in Denver, Colorado uh, in 1980, I believe. And um, then, so so she was a danzante. So she was doing that um, when my brother and I were born. She danced through her pregnancies, and she also was um, part of the Red Road uh, Lakota tradition, would go to Crow Dogs Paradise and Sundance, and also Sundance during her pregnancies, um, modified because she was pregnant. Um, so I was born into ceremony ways. And now that I am um, grown, I'm almost 33, I, uh, and I practice, you know, my Chinese medicine, curanderismo, body talk, body work, um, intuitive healing, 
you know, whatever it is, I know that so much of my gift comes from my ability to completely be present in my body. That comes from the gift of the ceremony ways. Um, so when people ask me about my spirituality, I, I generally um, I have a line that says my first my first language was dance and my second language was prayer or my first languages were dance and prayer because dance azteca it's like every dance is a prayer you know and there's a circle and there's drums in the middle and there's all this smoke so you're creating a direct connection to the divine through your movement and there are rain dances and earth dances and etc cetera, etc cetera. deer dance hunter dance like corn dance monkey dance um i like that one yeah, yeah. it's a good one i'm um, a monkey I, well, clearly. <laughs> um, so anyways, ha- having that connection between like the material world or the body and the spiritual world or God, um, I just me intellectualizing it, even though the medicine's not really to be intellectualized, as one of my teacher reminds me often, um, it has allowed me to be able to work with people and bridge the gap between the material and the spiritual because in me they exist as one because I was raised moving my material body for a spiritual purpose and understanding that I wasn't separate from that spirit place and using my own energy spinning stomping jumping I'm creating with creator if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so that said um the Mashika believed um in Sochi in which means the flower and the song, and that there were ceremonies, we call them velaciones, um, all-night vigils, where there's this exchange of of using the gifts of the flowers that represent life, that represent growth, that represent blossoming and represent death as well, using the gift of the flowers um, to create these rituals. And as the rituals playing out, we're all singing because the earth gifts us flowers and we can gift back our song. Um So once again, there's that reciprocity, that prayer place, like we enjoy the bounty of the universe and we offer our, our song, our prayer, our voice, our dance, um, in reciprocity of the gifts we've been given. So when it comes to medicine, I don't know, based on my upbringing, based on my context, how to separate my body and my voice from my medicine. Um, on, in, from a more practical standpoint, um, you know, in Chinese medicine, one of the basic tenets is there, if there's pain, there's no flow. If there's flow, there's no pain. Or if there's illness, there's no flow. Flow, there's no illness. Uh, movement is huge in keeping one's body healthy for the organs, for the lymph, um, for to release toxicity. You want to sweat at least once a day to help your body release. Um, a lot of people get incidences of lymphatic cancer or breast cancer, I believe, because of per- antiperspirant. You know, they put that on. It disallows their toxicity to come out from their underarms. There's a bunch of lymph under there. And before you know it, you've got, I, I meet so many people with like bumps under their underarms or like big, ugly sores or like um, benign tumors or fatty lipomas, et cetera. And you know, part of that is movement, but beyond that, releasing of the toxins. Um, so dance is huge in that. And then vibrational medicine is huge too. So song medicine is really powerful. Um, I had a patient once, she's 
pregnant, she came in to um, get her baby turned. She had a breech baby, and Chinese medicine's really good for that um, by the use of moxa. So she came in, and that's what she was coming for to turn her breech baby, but she had like this sciatic pain because sometimes baby sits on the wrong places. Uh, probably like at eight out of 10, she could barely walk when she got there. And I'm over there like, ah, oh, man, you know, really trying to put my thinking cap on because part of like, she's like almost about to have a baby, but like eight months, you don't want to put her into premature labor, especially if baby's not turned yet by moving too much blood and chi. So, but usually the course of action for pain is move blood and chi. So I'm like, oh man, I can't really like needle her all crazy or anything. So all of a sudden I was just like, oh, and um, she has needles in her, uh, in her back for balance, for pregnancy balance. And I went to her lower back where her pain was all the way down from her um, sacrum through her buttocks and down her leg. And I just started going, oh, like into her butt pretty much, <laughs> like right into her sacrum and did that for like about 10 minutes. Um, and it didn't move too much chi and blood. I didn't do any strong stimulation acupuncture at all. We moxed her for her breech baby, sent her home with a moxa stick. The baby did turn after a while, but she was able to get up off my table and leave with zero pain mm. and walk home because I sang to her butt. <laughs> slash use vibrational medicine. But like, those are like, they didn't teach me that in acupuncture school. Mm -hmm. You know, those are like things that I just like, I remember the day actually a beautiful patient that I have who's part of our community. Um, she was having a migraine and she came in and I was just working on her and she was face down. And then like, I can't tell you where these things come from. Like all of a sudden I just do something. and I'm like, oh, that was literally supposed to, be what I did, was I supposed to do. Sorry, I get excited and I can't speak. Um, anyways, head just went down and I did that into her liver, like where her liver was. And um, the migraines oftentimes can be a cause of what we call liver yang rising. So it has this like component of excess energy not being able to course itself through the regular routes um, and becoming rebellious chi instead of going like over and down, it goes up and therefore causes these symptoms. And um, later after our treatment, she said that when I did that, she felt this like zap of energy go all the way down her leg through her toe. And I was like, which one? And she showed me and it was perfect on the liver meridian. So her liver yang was rising up and then just oh, on her liver, like with an intention, pushed it down. And she also left without pain. Mm. So, um, powerful voice medicine, dance medicine. I'll, oftentimes I'll drum over people to kind of um, consolidate a treatment. Like if the energy, you know, point over here, point over here, thought over here, thought over there, stand up and boom, 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 boom. And then everything's like. <sighs> Can we circle back for a moment? If any of our listeners are, are trying to seek out, you know, some of these canciones to the nalgas, how do they get in touch with you for that? <laughs> All right, so <laughs> moving back into the serious realm, um, how does your Chinese medicine knowledge complement your traditional indigenous medicine knowledge or vice versa? How do you know when to apply a certain perspective or technique when you're working with a client? So the first question, I delineate Chinese medicine as indigenous medicine, just indigenous of China. And one of the coolest things um, 
about the Chinese is they did not allow colonization to happen until the turn of the century. They did not allow colonization to happen until the turn of the century. That's when, an interesting statement. Did not allow colonization to happen. It, I guess a, that I thought about that when I said that. What a statement. That, right? Huh. Well, they were like, F you guys, you can't come in. Mm-hmm. Until the English got them addicted to opium. Mm. Oscar Wilde times, again, mm. around the turn of the century. And then that's mm. when they opened their borders. So Chinese medicine has been a living, active form of medicine for over 3,000 years from and with, so with documentation and like the classics, so which beautiful. is why... It's, it's just freaking effective, yeah. you know, and the ways of looking at, at the interactions of the cosmos with the microcosm of the body. It's, it's fascinating and on point. Um, I have worked in uh, with the Kekchimaya people in Guatemala with my, my late mentor, Doc Rosen. Um, and uh, there's honestly, there's, there's a lot of similarities in general with the, the ideas of meridians and pathways and wind and um, stagnation and cold and heat um, in the Americas. But colonization happened and conquest happened and the Inquisition happened and like, or I don't know, I'm not a historian, but you know, they burned everything. They mm-hmm. took away what was the first thing you do when you conquer and colonize. You take away the people's medicine, you take away the people's storytellers, you take away the people's song, you take the people's dance, mm-hmm. you take away the people's identity and impose your own, right? So I feel there's a book called Wind in the Blood. I can't remember who it's by, but it's pretty much um, Mayan medicine through the lens of Chinese medicine based on the fact that so much of the ancient understanding of the indigenous like South American, Mesoamerican um, medicine had been compromised by conquest. So this book shows that medicine with explaining through Chinese medicine understandings. Um, So they're actually very, very similar. I've also um, studied yoga for a long time and there's a lot of Ayurvedic principles that are very present in Chinese medicine. And vice versa. Um, and ultimately, you know, in Mexica medicine by my, my curandero teachers, they, the, it's like the same. Basically, what we're doing is we're looking at the human as a microcosm of the universal tendencies, flows, the Tao. You know, it's not we're not separate from all of it. And like, that's what I found that most in that I know of indigenous underpinnings of medicine is about how we fit in to nature, how we fit into the cosmos. Does that answer the question? Absolutely. It's all relative. <laughs> yeah. So with, within that, uh, do you have something to say? Oh, no. I was just going to say um, Wind in the Blood. It's a very interesting book. I've started reading it myself. Um, but it's called Wind in the Blood, Mayan Healing in Chinese Medicine. Uh, it's by Hernan Garcia, Antonio Sierra, Gilberto Balam, and it's translated by Jeff Conant. So mm. I just wanted to... yeah. Put that out there. <laughs> Gracias. Gracias. Oh, you asked me how I choose. I don't choose. The body mm-hmm. chooses. Um, I've in the last year I've been using Body Talk, which is a consciousness-based form of medicine that uses applied kinesiology to set a yes or no in the body and then ask the person's body a system of questions that lead you to yes or no's and then further lead you down a path depending on what your yeses and what your no's are. Um it's kind of like a, a structured form of intuition. So it gives your right brain something to, sorry, it gives your left brain, your analytical brain, something to hold on to while your right brain kind of like 
allows the messages to come. So when I treat anybody now, I always start by setting up a yes or a no with the person connecting to their like highest good and highest self and then just seeing where it goes. So like yesterday I had three patients and um, I did house calls. It was a Saturday and no, I brought all my needles and I brought cups because somebody was having this problem with this and this problem with that. And I ended up not using any needles and I did all body work all day, most like meridian coursing therapy. And the theme of all three patients I had was like a need to connect more presently with the bottom half of their body, with the legs. And we had a lot of head symptoms, like, like a dull, aching headache. One of them had, the other one had like this intense congestive sinus. And then the other one had... Um, actually lower back pain, but it was all coming from this like need to be present in the lower half of the self, which has, which has to do with rooting, which has to do with finding where you belong, which has to do with connecting to the earth. And, you know, we're all such heady people here. Um, so I found that to be really interesting, but I brought acupuncture needles. I brought Agua Florida. I brought a bunch of stuff and I just ended up rubbing spines and butts. So you, uh, you've alluded to and spoken directly throughout this interview um, about conflicting forces within yourself and mm. your identity. Um, you have to go there. Do you feel that... <laughs> <laughs> I am mestizo. <laughs> do you feel that um, part of your medicine path is to find resolution between the various aspects of your own identity? Totally. I mean, that's like what our, that's the path, right? To like resolve conflicting aspects of the self. Isn't that like the point of it all? So that kind of brings, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of brings me to like the next idea that I really wanted to talk to you about was, you know, this notion of your medicine okay. or my medicine or his medicine or her medicine. You talk a lot about, you know, your medicine mm -hmm. um, as though your medicine is, is different than other people's medicine. And this kind of flies in the face of Western medical standards, you know, that suggest medicine is a standard practice, certain XYZ procedures applied across the board in a very lateral, orderly fashion. Uh, what do you mean when you talk about your medicine or, or my medicine? Like, you know, in the sense of healing the self, everybody has their own path, right? And their mm -hmm. own experience, mm -hmm. their own conflicts to find resolution in how does a person learn what their medicine is how would you suggest our listeners like you know if they're like what are y'all talking about like what do you what do you mean like how do you begin the path of discovering your medicine that's a great question um it's a hard one to answer, mostly because of, of the limitations of society and, and the mass media brainwashing that happens, that we're so disconnected from our original selves and our original truth um, in lieu of whatever television shows are most prominent, whatever pop stars are most prominent, whatever your family's doing. Um, substance abuse is huge as far as like alienating the self from the self without even realizing it. So we're we're contending with all of these things. I would say that peop, uh, the concept of original medicine is just like, what did you come here to shine for? Like, what's your truth? What's your gift? Um, 
how do you actualize that different things are healing for different people? Everybody's medicine is different. And when I say everybody's medicine is different, I mean like what will heal them and how they will heal others can be, they're like two sides of the same coin, um, different or the same. Like my songs, for instance, I, I put a lot of feeling into them. I feel them. I've been like trained, if you will, to emote this spirit of the song based on how I was raised, right? Because it's med- their medicine songs specifically. Um, so when I sing those, I'm definitely like, whew, like putting out medicine on purpose um, or I'm, I'm praying rather. I'm, I'm connecting to the great divine and that's healing for people. And it's also super healing for me. Like when I sing, I'm, I'm, you know, making my circulation faster. I'm warming up my body temperature. Maybe I'm sweating. I'm like vibrationally moving my organs, depending on what notes I hit. I'm like getting my crown chakra or my root chakra, et cetera. So that's just one example of the song medicine. Now, some people might be like natural visual artists and they draw something that's close to their heart and somebody else sees it and it's like, oh my God, that speaks to me. And it has this symbolism and this energy about it. And they put that in their house and like things just shift. Um, that's their medicine. And the person who drew that, if they're divinely inspired to do that, then they are actualizing their own original medicine. Um, so I think that our own medicine is what our soul self, our spirit space is inclined to follow. Um, In Chinese medicine, there's a concept of uh, in between heaven and earth. So people are the human level. There's the earth level, the human level, and the heaven level. And there is a contract between heaven and earth. And the humans come to fill the contract between heaven and earth. And it's almost like beside you, like in spite of you, there's a contract between heaven and earth. And we're all put in a specific place to potentially be able to fill that contract. Like if we're singers or we're poets or we're historians or we're cooks or whatever we are, it's part of our role in fulfilling the contract between heaven and earth. And we can choose or sometimes we're not like some say somebody's gifts are song and dance, but they were raised in a way that never cultivates that. Um, the universe or the heaven and earth will find another way to fulfill the contract. So you're kind of almost null and void if you don't choose to follow your own original medicine or if you don't choose to fulfill the contract between heaven and earth. Nature, the divine will find a way. Um, but you're always going to get pings, hits, insights as to what is your original true medicine. That comes in the form of visions, dreams, like, oh, I just always felt like I should go to New York. You know, like you don't just have these premonitions or ideas or longings or whatever for no reason. Um, If you believe in linear time, maybe that's a lot harder for one to understand. But if you believe like everything is consistently flowing interdimensionally all the time, like the reason why I know that I'm going to be at home on that subway in New York is because I was already there in this other dimension or this next lifetime, or it, it resonates with me on this karmic level, like on this purpose, um, action, reaction to my divine truth level. So there's like a lot of mystic stuff that 
gets come up in a lot of like suspending disbelief for the average Western thinker. Um, Especially because society, you know, where so many of us are working from check to check to survive. So how are you going to be like, wow, I, I just really want to cook some oysters right now. Like when an oyster is like $2 for one oyster and you have like three kids to feed and like a nine to five, right? Um, so finding your original medicine, there there's a certain privilege that comes in that's very much so along the lines of... Um, you know, the communist manifesto and the proletariat being alienated from the work of their hands um, for somebody else's profit. And then you just go home and turn on the television because it sucks so bad and forget all about like that deep drive you had to play the guitaron when you were seven, you know? <laughs> A lot of our gente are sick, overweight, depressed, stagnant, uh, filled with anxiety. Related, you know, in large part to, to a, lot of, a lot of what you're talking about. Um, can you offer us a, a quick checklist for things that anybody and everybody can do to get on the path to good health? Like right now, 10 days, what do I need to do to start feeling better? What are the first things that anybody can do that are within most people's budgets, within most people's, you know, realms of power? Well... You know, drink more water if it's still in your budget right now until they it's going to be okay because we're going to stop the DAPL (laughs) and the rest of all that. But water, drinking water is great. Sweating every day, exercising every day, cutting all processed chemical matter out of the diet is huge. Um, The body is not made to metabolize these chemicals. And if there's shelf life in the box, there's shelf life in your arteries. So we're seeing um, higher incidences of congested arteries, heart failure, different kinds of tumors and cancers. Um, in my professional opinion, and I don't even want to call it opinion, I know that these processed chemicals are specifically creating cancers and all these other horrible things. So you have to stop eating processed food, processed sugar. Um, that's a hard thing because our bodies are actually addicted to that in the gut, in the microbiome, in our brains. Um, and they do that on purpose. They create these chemical compounds that addict you. They call it craveability, quote unquote. Um, there's so much, so much corruption in the chemical non-food industry. It's disgusting. And I believe it's all in corroboration with the pharmaceutical industry because the more crap they feed us, the more disease management they give us. And then before you know it, a 40 year old is on pills until they die at 60 or 70. And how much money is that for the pharma? And then they hide it under insurance companies like, oh, your insurance will take care of it. But every year, how much does your insurance take to like make you sicker? I've had so many patients who get on pharmaceuticals because of some little thing they didn't even know they had. And then they come and now they have night sweats and now they have bowel issues and now they can't sleep and now they have low libido, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. Anyway, um, so chemical, like non-natural chemical compounds are not healing. They are not going to heal you. They're going to like potentially displace the symptoms for a moment so that you get temporary relief or, which is what I've seen happen more, they create a whole other slew of symptoms that make you think that you're more sick than you are. And then all of a sudden you're hijacked by the medical industrial complex. 
hijacked. Serious. Um, I forgot the question. Oh, uh, you absolutely answered it. What can, what can people do <sighs> oh. to like right now to get yeah. back into um, good health? So then hijacked, you are an agent. You, you, everyone out there. Yes, you are responsible for being aware of your body and your feels in your body and what to then do about the feels in your body. Um, that's just true. No doctor is your chief or your executive or your master. They are your employees and they work for you. So when you go to a doctor and they tell you something, get at least one, but probably more like three more opinions from different kinds of doctors, specialists, quote unquote, alternative medicine doctors, um, just different types of doctors so that you really know what your options are. And, you know, in the day and age of Google, ignorance is an option. Like if you're feeling something, research it. Don't just go and like listen to the first one who tells you, well, this is what that is, because everybody has a different type and everybody's type manifests in different ways, depending on what their context is for their entire life. You know, a migraine headache to me would look different than a migraine headache to someone who's five years older and 20 pounds heavier and a different race than I am. Or to my mom, you know, it looks different for everyone. So there's no quick fixes. There's no, this is the key. There's, this is your responsibility to observe your body and its symptoms and therein understand what is causing the symptoms and therefore change your actions so that your symptoms subside. Um, so really health is about awareness and observation and presence and truthfulness with yourself. Like, nah, man, it's cool. Smoking doesn't bother me at all. I'm totally fine. And then like, you know, in the middle of the night at 4 a.m., because that's a long time, you wake up coughing. And you tell a Chinese medicine practitioner, well, I wake up coughing every morning at 4 they're like, oh, man, that's a long time. You've been smoking too much? Nah, that's not it. <laughs> Clearly, that's it. Mm. You know, like, or whenever I see this person, I get tachycardia. Like, when, when this person comes into my realm, my heart hurts, literally. Mm. All right, so what is that telling you? Is that maybe you need some space from that person? Or maybe you need to address whatever the deep primordial wound is within you that's causing that trigger when you see this person like what kind did did they abandon you was that the first time you're abandoned was this really about your dad you know like there's so many layers and it's all about unpeeling the layers and we need to be the agents of that nobody's going to do it for you so even when people come to see me I'm like all right this is what I need you to do and I've had to fire patients before and I've had people like come and pay me for like four sessions up front and only show up for two mm. because they're really not ready to like be that present with what they need to do for themselves to be the best them that they can be. And, you know, I'm not doing it for them. I just show up and help. Yeah. One thing that I've always appreciated and loved about holistic medicine is that it's completely individualized. Yes. And there is no one size fits all prescription or a medicine or or anything like that. It it's completely, um, you know, based off of one person's body, their uh, their symptoms, their constitutions, and taking 
everything into account, including their emotional bodies and um, their energetic bodies. And um, I love how in holistic medicine, there's always a way. There's always a solution. There's Mm -hmm. always possibilities where um, I think one place where Western medicine falls short is that there is only... um, you know, if, if they can't figure it out, then they surrender to the mystery of it almost or just com- keep on like attacking with the same plan for that one symptom, you know, as opposed to really tracing it down. And um, so I love the possibility of holistic medicine and how if there's one person that doesn't know, then someone else with a different kind of intuitive medicine uh, may be able to um, find more pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and help you uh, really trace down to root. Right. Um, so I really appreciate that a lot about holistic medicine. Yeah. Well, um, and that's something um, I just want to address really fast too. Like rapport is huge. Like people need to feel like they're being healed as soon as they walk in. They need to see you mm-hmm. and be like, damn, that that's my person. Exactly. You know? So it's very, I think especially with like, younger practitioners, younger doctors. I, my cousin was having a baby and I was helping out in a hospital and there was, um, the nurses were like, we call them the baby doctors, like the ones who are just out of med school and their residency, like coming in like 25 or 27 or something. And they're really like, so this OBGYN came in and I was like, are you the midwife? Because midwives are trained in childbirth and generally OBGs are trained in surgery, you know? And we're like trying to get a baby through a birth canal. We're not trying to like cut it out preemptively, right? At least that's what my client was all about. So um, just watching the ego get inflamed, like how dare you not want me here? Mm. Like that is something that if you are here to actually heal the world, you got to get over, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're an MD or a doula or an acupuncturist or whatever, like you're not going to be everybody's key. You know, you might be like a little itty bitty step in, in mm-hmm. the key. When Absolutely. I was um, in my residential, uh, how, what RA, I was a resident assistant at Stanford when I was an undergrad. And um, we were talking about eating disorders. And they were like, always say something because you might be the first person to speak out about it. You might be the 107th person to say something. And it takes them 112 times to hear it before they get help. But you're still there. You know, it's the same thing with like the medicine. It is a continual process. Like nobody, you know, I mean, like I've had some stories earlier where I'm like, and they walked out with no pain, but that's like maybe one in a hundred who walk out with like zero pain. Generally it's like, and come goes from an eight to a five and then they come back and then they start understanding about taking care of themselves, et cetera, et cetera. But it is not a quick fix. It is not completion. Mm -hmm. Like I have a lot of patients who they'll come to me for like, two times or three times or even one time. And then I won't hear from them for years. And then they'll be like, that one time you really like shifted something. And then I did this. And then they started getting massages and they started walking every day. And then they got this new job. And so Mm -hmm. it's like a growth process, you know, Mm -hmm. but we can't be attached to the outcome of our offerings because that's not being truly of service because everybody has their own path to walk. And for mm-hmm. us to try to control that path is, um, I think, like not honoring the mystery, like the great divine. So it's definitely something that I think people need to be aware of that uh, 
you find your medicine in all different kind of places, Definitely. in all different um, levels of that movement toward healing. Definitely. Um, I really like what you said about ego and getting out of your own way. And uh, last time we were here together, <laughs> speaking of egos, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, the world shook. Um, a really, there was a really very much so felt vibrational shift um, after seeing the results of the election. And um, we wanted to ask you, you know, um, now that almost a month has passed since mm. then, uh, how do you feel and how do you make sense of the situation that we are in? Perfect. Thank you so much for asking this question. And I can um, answer it by reframing it in a sense of my macrocosm, microcosm, and mm. my understanding of human form and body. Um, when there's something fundamentally wrong with the body, for whatever reasons, whether it's through emotions or eating habits, etc., it's going to come out in symptomology, mm -hmm. whatever those symptoms are. So symptoms are actually your friends. My back hurts. I've got acne, et cetera, et cetera. They give you clues into like what the imbalance is so you can fix it. Donald Trump is a bright red festering pustulant sore that's coming <laughs> to the head of the American purple stagnation of all the crap that America is. Um, so, you know, we've, there's always been racist presidents. There's always been racism. This country was built on genocide and slavery. Like, hello. It's not like it's, we're just seeing it now. Now there's a big bright head that needs to be extracted from the middle of the forehead or like nose. Like <laughs> it's like right there. Like, damn, that shit needs psh, squeeze it out. Um, heal it up. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm looking at this. We're just seeing it mm -hmm. bright, bright, and it's time to heal. Mm. So here we all are together mm -hmm. working toward that. Um, yeah. Do, I you mean, think, do you think we're going to have to look at this festering sore for four years? <laughs> my mom or do you think the extraction process is going to happen much yeah, faster? Yeah, I, I think the, the latter. Um, my mm. mom was saying there was some like recent prophet woman who died in the 90s or something. She couldn't remember her name, but that this woman has done different predictions. Um, and one of them was that in, before Obama even came, but that Obama would be the last full-term president. Um, not to be super... Um, doomsday hmm. um but i i think the people are preparing for that um it's time for us to evolve evolve forms of leadership government or evolve beyond i don't know how it's gonna look but planet um, things are changing fast. Mm -hmm. It's accelerating very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you said you didn't want to go in that direction of doomsday. And, um, you know, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you is that the consensus is that we're in, in very dark times. Do you see it that way or, or do you focus more on the, the mirroring light? Mm -hmm. 
I see um, Ometeo, two, two sacred, yin and yang, always both together. And I think the, the apparent nature of the darkness is only a testament to the light and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some, it sometimes seems kind of futile, everything that goes on in the world, because it's like, well, I'm a light warrior. I'm here to work for the light. But then there are other people like all of the greedy you know, 1% who are evil. There are some super evil people that they're just doing their evil bidding because yin and yang, you know? So like, what's the point of me like trying to save the world when these other people trying to destroy it? But I guess that's the ebb and flow. That's the yin and yang. And you just like be there with it. And that also goes back to like um, honoring your original medicine. Um, One of my teachers says, stay in your seat and you will arrive on time. Mm. So she gave an example of, um, you know, like certain people are in the like front of the theater, like understanding what's going on in the scene and like really engaged. But then every now and again, they get up and they run to the back of the theater and like start scolding everybody for who's who's not paying attention. Um, and that's like when you're trying to bring other people into your dream or control the outcome of other people's truths, which isn't your job. So... As long as I'm here, I just am doing what I came to do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter who's president. That doesn't matter if there's war. And that doesn't matter if there's love. It's like if somebody comes to me and says, I hurt right here, I'll probably put my hands on them because that's what I came to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, I don't think it, it's not much more complicated than that. And I'm going to keep doing that as the days go on and as the darkness may or may not come. Um and I think I need to have children. And there's a lot of people, like my brother would be like, we're just a bunch of festering parasites on this thing called Earth and we don't need any more kids. And I, I can agree with that. But I also think there's this brilliant um, promise that comes with creating life. Like that's what we're here for. And if these kids coming in now under the stars and at this very, very important time. Um, we're creating the we're creating the future. Mm, absolutely. So I feel like I feel like we're just gonna keep on keep on keeping on and until we're not anymore. And you know, I'm also a fervent honorer of death medicine. Absolutely. And and in wrapping up um, our time together, I love how you started speaking on the children. Um, do you have any any messages or anything you'd like to say like right now in this moment to the babies mm. that are coming up right now? What, what do they need to hear? What do you need to say <laughs> to, to them, to the First babies. that came up was like, don't listen to us. <laughs> Y'all know That's better. Perfect. Y'all That's know perfect. better. That's literally perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't know. More than, more than having anything to say to the babies, I want to learn from them. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to like, like t- tell me something, Hita. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me all the things. Absolutely. Let me know where you're at. Absolutely. That's beautiful because, you know, um, the theories and the beliefs and understandings around water 
and how, you know, if water is an intelligent, sentient being and it collects and stores information of all times past, you know, so the further we get into the future, like the more intelligent the water becomes, which means the babies that are coming up, you know, they are carrying that water, that slightly more intelligent, slightly more evolved and adapted water, you know, and so like they... They're coming in with all of that, um, and 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 then some, and then know? cosmologically yes. too, we didn't even like account for that. Mm-hmm. You know, what was it? Um, indigo children, crystal children. Mm-hmm. We we're talking about that the other day. Yeah, Kalpuli. Yeah, um, rainbow children. Rainbow children. Yeah, we have a lot to learn from all. So of much. Them. I mean, even just um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of movement in consciousness just from people like eight years younger than me, 10 years younger mm-hmm. than me. Like Absolutely. I've been teaching high schoolers poetry and they blow my mind mm-hmm. all the time. I'm like always asking, I, I feel like, how come I'm getting paid for this? You know, like, mm. <laughs> I mean, I have stuff to offer, but so do they, you know, mm-hmm. so much. Um, and it's very rich. Mm-hmm. And they're a lot more loving too. Like, especially mm. I'm noticing men, grace of God, um, just the way men are like unlearning this like patriarchal detachment and and such. I'm watching these young men like really tune into their love space mm-hmm. with each other mm-hmm. and with like uh, my high school boys be like, hey, miss, and come and like put their arm around me and put their head <laughs> on my head. And I'm like, hey, young man, how are you? And just like being even if they don't want to like pay attention in class, they're like, will look you in the eye and like love you. You know, it's beautiful. What a hopeful note to end on. <laughs> mm-hmm. We want to thank you for your time and your energy and your gifts, you know, to the planet, to the physical world, the spirit world. Uh, as we conclude this, you know, for, for the people of Denver who want to connect with you and potentially seek out uh, your healing work uh, or for people around the country or around the globe who may hear this and, you know, want to book you, bring you to a university, bring you out to an institution, a festival, and pay you very well because <laughs> you're worth... Manifest. ...your knowledge and, and your genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do people best connect with you? Um, I would say email me. My email address is E-U-T-I-M-I-A. That's eutimia at gmail.com. It's my first name. Um, And I actually just got a new clinic space at this place called Urban Sanctuary in Denver um, in the Five Points. And that is usdenver.com. So my stuff will be up there within the next week um, as far as my availability and times go. And um, yeah, so email me or look up usdenver.com. I do have a Facebook page, but I'm not really great at keeping that up um but my company name because you know professionalism matters um is <laughs> muse in medicine so go in discover what's within muse yourself within create this inner space in order to heal it so that whatever comes out is healed um so m-u-s-e space i-n space medicine um, and you can find that on Facebook and maybe it'll give me an impetus to keep my Facebook page up a little bit. I don't really have a website. I'm most of a word of mouth kind of lady. Most of my clients come in that way. 
Um, and I've recently started doing the college circuit, um, specifically teaching a class I call Remembering Your Medicine, which offers um, pretty much like a discussion of what we're talking about. This original medicine from my perspective is a Chinese medicine and curanderismo. And then we use immediately applicable tools to start helping you move into that. So we'll talk about food, talk about particular acupuncture points or rituals or candles or herbs or what, whatever comes up, really, whoever the audience is. So it's very... Um, I found it very valuable, especially for young people asking the questions about how do I create lasting change? Um, you know, it starts with number one. So I'm open to receiving and offering all of the gifts. Oh, Mateo. Oh, oh Mateo. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Mil gracias for listening to Brown Genius. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes and spread the word. You can find us at browngeniuspodcast.com and on Instagram and Facebook. Brown Genius is hosted by Molina Speaks and Cherie Love Mestiza Brown. Produced by Rodney Sino Cruz. 